Hey, Jeremy. What, what, Adam? I just had a thought. Did you? Well, actually, I had a thought as I was ab- editing the previous episode. Let me first ask, when you had this thought, did it hurt? No. Oh, okay, good. It kind of made me sad that I hadn't thought of it before. It was so obvious in retrospect. Okay. Remember how we were, we were wondering why Sim wears a tiny little vest? Yes. Well, I had a, I had a realization. Sim is named after Dave Sim, the creator of Cerebus, who wears a tiny little vest. Wow. Did I blow your mind? Well, there you go, Adam. Are you? Did you corroborate that, or are you just speculating? It's so obvious. There's there's no reason to corroborate it. Okay, I'm with you. I, you I, I never really read Cerebus, so uh, I'm familiar with Dave Sim, of course. Well, Sim is a aardvark. He's, he's actually sort of similar to Cerebus, but um, the name is Sim. We were getting those service uh, like references in a couple and maybe maybe twenty issues ago, mm-hmm. and he's got a tiny little vest that is probably the same size as the actual vest that Cerebus wears. Not that Cerebus is a real character or who wears an actual vest. So you just think it's kind of a nod? Yeah, totally. Okay. Cool. I like it. Anyway. Oh yes, I'm the great pretender. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss the Uncanny X-Men number 180, uh, published January 10th of 1984, cover date of April of 1984, cover price of 60 cents. This one's titled, Whose Life Is It Anyway? Do you think that's a reference to whose line is it anyway? The hilarious... Show, uh, I I would imagine that whose line is it anyway hadn't uh, debuted in England yet, but I could be wrong. I don't know. That's I feel like that show's been around forever. It has been around for a very long time. That's true. I mean, maybe it wasn't those same guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It certainly wasn't Drew Carey. No, 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 no. I mean, you know, you've seen the original uh, BBC ones, right? Where yeah, yeah, I can't remember who the host of that show was, but a lot of the same people were there on that show that came over to the U.S. And most yes. of them are American, which is even odd, uh, odder. And they still do a stage show. They they go around as the whose line is it? Well, maybe not all of them, but they do still uh, do improv stuff. Yeah, I saw them here in Madison at one of our theaters once. It was very funny, hilarious. Uh, yeah. Mm. Eh. <laughs> just very funny not hilarious not hilarious you know we you paid didn't, you didn't guffaw but you did chuckle yes there was nothing that was laugh out loud but it was you know worthy of an evening out but you know the ticket prices were a lot the seating was not great uh and it and it seemed to be filled with bits that we'd you know already seen before now it's it's improv of course but even improv has you know rehearsed setups so of course. you know Whatever. Did you did you turn to your wife and say, that was rather funny, don't you think, dear? Uh, no, I, I didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The cover of this one uh, it has um, Storm 
and Kitty flying high above the mansion. And it almost looks like up the sky. It almost looks like Storm wants to to rip Kitty apart with her elemental abilities. Well, Kitty looks scared. Yeah, and how? And well, but Storm, she's like, I'm doing this on purpose. That's her look. Maybe Kitty was taken over by that Micronaut guy again. <laughs> yeah, and she phased somebody into a solid object, and Storm's yeah. like, enough. <laughs> <clears throat> so i don't know not a wildly spectacular uh cover but you know serviceable yeah it's good yeah i like it yeah so let's uh let's open this up anyways and um this is a, a comic that I, I have had in my collection for a very long time probably since i was uh starting to collect when i was 11 or 12 so i have read this issue many 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 times and I, you know, knew that the professor didn't have the use of his legs, and then he did have uh, use of his legs. But if you didn't read the magic story, you kind of go from X-Men where he's like having a lot of problems to where he's in a gymnasium like he is right now playing basketball. That's true. New Mutants was the bridge where he actually like stands up. Yeah, you're right. It was New Mutants number 14, wasn't it? I think there's got to be a... The professor stood up in New Mutants number 14. No, it's not here because I looked for it. I was like, well, where's the reference to where it happened? Uh, Interesting. But anyways, this one's uh, written by Chris Claremont, of course, John Romita Jr. and Dan Green and Bob Wiasek are your three artists. Glennis Ween is coloring, Tom Orzakowski is lettering, Luis Jones is editing, and Heem Schutter is editing in chief. And the, the professor is not only standing, he is dunking. No, he's not. Does he ever dunk? I guess he doesn't dunk. But he's throwing a basketball. He is in the air. He is off the ground. Yeah, the first page, he he is getting ready for a shot. He shoots, I don't know, maybe maybe from the three-point line. We can't really tell. But he gets it. Jeremy, he's got an X on his shorts. Of course he has an X on his shorts. Do you think that's, like, uh, common for, like, all the X-Men have X shorts? Well, it's for Xavier's uh, basketball team, you know. Oh. Yeah. They're, they're the Xavierites or something. He's got nearly knee-high socks. He's got armbands. He's got a headband, uh, which which are all yellow and match his yellow tank top. And he's, uh, he's narrating, just as many of us have done in the gymnasium before, about the crowd going uh, roaring. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar attempts to steal, but Xavier, he's too fast. The crowd roared like a lion. He keeps going. He's running to the three-point line. He sets, he shoots, and it bounces right off the rim. The crowd roars with appreciation. He laughs. So much for dreams of glory, but the lovely thing about fantasy is that you can always do it again. And as he is about ready to go for another lap up to the net... He doubles over in pain and makes a noise. There's a sign on the wall that says Xavier School Basketball, 1972 to 1973. What do you think that's all about? In 1972 to 1973, the Xavierites went to to state. But the school's not called Xavier. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Xavier's school for gifted people, isn't it? Something (laughs) called like that? I don't know. 
Yeah, I would say that in 1972 to 1973, they, they went all pro. All right. <laughs> Do you think they cheated using their mutant powers? <laughs> yeah, I'd, maybe. I don't know, because uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, That's true. Uh, yeah, the professor is not a fan of using your mutant powers to, to cheat at sports. But, Adam, I want you to do your... Uh, uh, adaptation of the noise that the professor makes as he doubles over in pain. Uh, do you want a Wilhelm? No, I just... He says something here, and I want you to say it, because you always make it funny. <laughs> now the pressure's on. All right. Oh, har! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that sounds really painful. <laughs> yes, he... That's, that is a literal interpretation of what he said. He says, oh, har. <laughs> And uh, no, blast it, leave me alone. Whatever's been scanning him for the past, I don't know, few few issues, few months or whatever. Has Not just, it's, it's, he's, it's been scanning him in New Mutants. It's been scanning him in X-Men. It's been scanning him in the Micronauts. <laughs> Probably not. I think there was references in Micronauts that, oh, this is, I've been scanned, but nothing like what I've been scanned before. I sure am getting scanned a lot. What's up with that? Oh, har! <laughs> I should really look into this. So he's uh, he's sitting on the ground. He's it's a scanning wave. He's wondering what it is. It feels alien, but you know he he doesn't know what it is. And that's when Storm walks in, and Storm would like to have a heart to heart, or maybe the professor wants to have a heart to heart with Storm. Either way, they have I, a heart to heart. I heard you, oh har, professor. You are o- you all right? You only ohar when it's serious. As uh, storm, it's very serious. Uh, yeah. So they they come in. They they have a little conversation. Did you just knock some things over? I did. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded pretty bad. Well, is everything okay? Everything's fine. Every the, the podcast bunkers. It's under attack, Adam. I'm I've got my uh, guards out. All right, well, hold down the fort. <laughs> I've got I don't fans. want to hear any O'Hara from you. <laughs> fans are trying to, to bust into the booth here. <laughs> but uh, we're good. We're, we're set. Yes, so uh, S- Storm is talking about how she's becoming a monster. Well, this is where we get that bit where that you were referring to earlier where Storm says, Professor, were you an athlete? Oh, uh, yes. And the professor says, in college, I love sports, but I had to give it up. I could read the opposing team's thoughts, you see. I knew their plans the moment they did, and I was able to counter them with ease. It was a cruelly unfair advantage. It took all the joy out of the game. Eventually. For a while, it was fun. <laughs> but let me tell you about 1972 to 1973. Do you see that banner I, up there? <laughs> I kicked butt during those years. <laughs> I was amazing. You gotta wonder, like, that 1972 to 1973, is that in reference to the professor and his playing days? Or did he send, like, Cyclops and Marvel Girl and Iceman? I don't know. Maybe maybe he just made the banner. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, that very well could be. Yes, and after they get done talking about sports, the professor's like, Aurora, are you all right? But before we talk about that, Adam, I have something very important to talk about uh, on the next page, this advertisement for the official Marvel Comics tryout book. Did you ever get one of these? Because, you know, as a comic reader, I always saw this page and I always thought, wow, that's so cool. I would really like to get one of these books. I never had one. The comic book shop uh, by my house had one on the stands. Uh, but, you know, being that it was $13, I I never had the money to, to buy the thing. Hmm. But yeah, I, I I believe I put this on Christmas lists and, and all sorts of ways I tried to scheme uh, to get this thing. Because you had, Adam, 
pages to color, to ink, to letter, to script, to draw, to plot, and how to er, explanations. I have a question. Do you think that there is a current or even past working uh, Marvel artist who uh, had this and owes their career to the official Marvel Comics tryout book? Of course there is. (laughs) Do you think young Todd McFarlane cut his uh, drawing teeth? on this thing nope (laughs) okay actually todd mcfarlane recently uh did a i guess it was kind of an inner a sort of an interview but it was an homage to stan lee in which he credited his meeting stan stan lee and something that stan lee said to him at a comic convention as being the the source of his entire career wow it was neat yeah that's very cool so so it wasn't this no, no. He said nothing about the official Marvel Comics tryout book, so listen, to my recollection. <laughs> listeners out there, if you are aware of what it is that we are talking about, you should write in and let us know if you ever had one, if you ever wanted one, if you still if you have, have one and you don't want one. <laughs> yes, if you have one that you never used and you would like to send it to us. Or if you have yours and it's inked and lettered and scripted and drawn. <clears throat> oh, that would be cool, too. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be really awesome. So, have you looked for this on eBay or anything? Never. You should. Probably should. I'll bet you this probably fetches a a couple of bucks if it's not uh, filled out. In fact, we should stop the podcast and spend the rest of the podcast searching for this on eBay. (laughs) Until we buy a copy. And we'll resume (laughs) the podcast as soon as we each have one. We start inking and lettering and scripting. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Anyways. So... As you said, the professor says, Aurora, are you all right? And he grabs her by the arm. Yes. And she says, no, uh, not according to Kitty. To her, I've become a monster. Well, you've certainly changed. I don't know what a monster. That that seems like uh, a little weird. Seems like she's looking for some validation or or something here because she's like, for better or worse, you tell me because I don't know. (laughs) That's when the professor gets all creepy starts thinking oh, of her, yeah. to himself, how extraordinary. I've never thought of Storm as a woman. She always seemed to be on such things. Yet, looking at her now, all sweaty and recently basketballed, I suddenly find myself all too aware of how female and attractive she is. Yeah, it's not just my legs that work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I know that when Chris Clearman wrote this, he didn't mean anything gross by it, but... In this day and age, it just comes off as gross. Kind of comes off as a little creepy. Especially having gone through this and, you know, realizing the whole crush that the professor had on Jean Grey. Yeah, he's got a history for this. He, he really does fall for his students. He's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he goes on to say that, uh, you know, since you used to consider yourself a goddess, uh, there's no shame in simply being human. So he didn't really answer the question. It's true. I wonder perhaps if I was better off living that lie. So she's saying to herself that her life and times in Africa, uh, I guess, were a lie and that she's kind of always been this way, but she felt repressed, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just reading into the lines here, but the differences aren't cosmetic, Adam. In fact, uh, they, they go further down. She almost killed Callisto of the Morlocks. Uh, without without any uh, uh, stopping herself. Something that she wouldn't have done before. True. She who once held all life sacred. Yeah. 
It's pretty crazy, isn't it? So the professor, he's like, uh, well, she says, uh, sometimes I think, I fear, I hope, I must be insane. So the professor, without asking, just reaches out his hand, grabs her by the head, and says, eh, my side probes reveal no mental illness. It's a weird sequence of three panels. In the first panel, the professor is reaching up with his creepy hands. <laughs> and he looks very serious. And the second panel is okay. He's kind of touching her and he's doing a side probe. He looks like he's doing a side probe. But then at the end, he's got like a like creepy little smile on his face. He's like, yeah, I side probed you. <laughs> I liked it. Did you like it? <laughs> uh, but anyways, that, was, that was merely a surface scan, however. My powers really aren't that helpful. <laughs> My For gross physiological anomalies, I would have to probe far more deeply to learn of any na- to learn the nature and extent of any purely emotional disorders even then there's a limit to what i can do i can probe very deeply and not saying anything's going to come of it yeah that seems like the professor's pickup line <laughs> it sure seems like it <laughs> i could probe real deeply but you know nothing might come of it it's tempting to meddle with people's minds but i too learned a harsh lesson that for all my care and fine intentions, the consequences can be devastating and occasionally tragic. I wonder if he's referring to something specific. This would be a good time to have one of those nice captions. Yes. But maybe he's not. Or maybe he's referring, referring to something that hasn't happened yet. Well, that could be. Or we haven't, we haven't, we haven't seen in the past. Uh, so, yeah, he goes on. Uh, and says that uh, it's it's fun to potentially meddle with people's minds, or can be, but it can also be destructive and devastating. So he doesn't really like to do that anymore. So, you know, good on him. Uh, and he says that he'll help out the best he can. Storm says she'd rather just find her own path. Uh, so, yeah, I'm out of here. But elsewhere, uh, there are a bunch of Lockheeds attacking a spaceship. It's Lockheed, the video game. It totally is. And it's Kitty and Doug Ramsey playing this kooky game. Looks good, grim, Kitty. They got you surrounded. Wanna bet? And apparently player one's got nine million, I don't know, a lot of points. And player two has more points. And I think Kitty is player two. Yeah. I'm in the lead. Only till my next turn. Watch, Kitty. The Orgoids are grouping for another attack. Whoops, thanks for the warning, Doug. The sucker almost kneeled me. She keeps playing. She's so good that the machine, it malfunctions. Yeah, I think the machines were built to get flipped, weren't they? Uh, you couldn't flip Plac- uh, Pac-Man. Pac-Man, what happened? it would just lock up. But oh, then okay. you could so, just, so this is like Pac-Man. Kind of, well, you just flip the switch and you'd be back in business. I scored too many points. I must have overloaded the microchip running the game and crashed its system poor thing <laughs> well what would actually happen to pac-man is it would just run out of memory wouldn't know what to do next so it would just lock up because you know the developers of the game were like nobody's ever going to get 99 boards in or whatever the the magic freeze frame was and that's where you come in jeremy the pac-man expert <laughs> uh, yeah i just watched a lot of tv <laughs> Uh, yep, and the arcade guy comes, and he's like, Hey, you kids gotta get out of here, spending all this time on just a single quarter. You're ruining my business. And I think, Adam, it's important to take a moment for our younger listeners and explain what is going on here. In the 80s, in the early what think, 80s... What do you think his shirt says? Arcade big guy? Yeah. <laughs> There were these things called video game arcades, and in the video game arcades 
were video games. You might remember, uh, you might think of like Buster and Dave's or um, Chuck E. Cheese, where you have all of these stupid claw arm games and other ticket generating games. Back in the 80s, they were actually video games that filled these no. buildings. Jeremy, any Dave and Buster's worth itself has has video games. Yeah, in the corner and like some old creepy guys playing Galaga. But but it wasn't just Galaga and Ms. Pac-Man is my point. There were, were hundreds, thousands of these. There, and even are. Even, no, even even small cities in America would have multiple video game arcades. You couldn't you couldn't throw a quarter into a mall without hitting a video game arcade. I mean, they're much more interactive and ridiculous nowadays. You have like full immersion TIE fighter battles or you have your your Mario Karts where you're driving stuff. Um and you but you know, you still have and you have your dance dance revolution that's fully interactive. Yeah, those are just sprinkled amongst the other games that you put your coin in and a bunch of tickets come out and then you go get your Tootsie Roll. It's not the same. <laughs> Although I got to say, there was I was just at one of these things, the newer ones, uh, just this past weekend, and there was some new Star Wars game that you got into this pod thing. That's, what, it, I, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, We're yeah. talking about the same game. Okay, and it fully enclosed around you and you could, uh, I didn't go in it, but I looked through the, the dome thing because you can kind of see in and like the, the screens are all uh, curved and stuff and it, yes it looks like it's full immersion like wherever you're looking game is happening so that's kind of yeah. cool it honestly is not as much fun as it looks oh it looked a lot of it looked like a lot of fun actually it, it's the experience is fun but the game is not very fun it, it's probably just designed to take all your money it's it's you're 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 kind of not really in control at all oh okay <laughs> the the path you you basically look they make it look like you're flying around in an x-wing but you're really not you're following a preset destination and just shooting and and just you're you're moving when you're moving around and swiveling and stuff you're really just aiming your guns yeah, yeah that makes sense but this guy this guy here arcade big guy he is not happy with what is happening so he kicks uh doug ramsey and kitty pride out and Kitty's like, ah, that's it. We've been banned from every decent arcade in Westchester County. Because they were playing for hours on one quarter. It used to happen. So they decide that they'll drown their sorrows in some lunch. So they head over to, uh, what do you think this sign says? Crown? Crown. <laughs> crown, crown. Let's oh. go to Crown, crown. Actually, they're walking by Crown, crown to eat at a place called McD. Oh, yeah. McD. I wonder what that is. Who knows? They got sodas, burgers, and french fries. Well, look at the basket that the french fries are in. I've never seen any restaurant that has a basket like that. It looks like a, a, uh, like a um, steak escape. Is that, that's the place in the mall, I think. And they give you a big old thing of french fries. We don't have those in Buffalo. Yeah, all right. I might have made up that name, too. <laughs> I don't <laughs> eat at the mall very often. <laughs> Uh, so they are having a conversation. They're talking about Storm because apparently Kitty's a little grumpy, or as Doug calls her, she has the grumps. <laughs> and this is where I noticed Kitty's outfit. I really like this outfit. Somebody in the Marvel offices created an awesome '80s ensemble. She's got like a, a little. Uh, she's got a little headband. She's got uh, a purple sweater. Some sort of purple Don Johnson jacket. Or something. She's got like very 80s. She's got jeans on, and then it looks like leg warmers, and then boots over the leg warmers. And uh, this this uh, outfit is uh, it was from the cover too. Yeah, they 
whoever designed this outfit really liked it. I guess it must have been John Romita Jr. Yeah, yeah, or Dan Green. You never know. It's good. Yep. I like it. Yeah, so they're talking a lot, and we just get a kind of a rehash of everything that happened in Japan, and she cut her hair and all that sort of stuff. The only thing that really matters out of this whole thing is, A, uh, Doug is heading out to... Um, new uh, Massachusetts for the Massachusetts Academy, which is run by Emma Frost. This yeah. is essentially a recap of the last couple of panels of New Mutants number 14. Yeah. For those of you who haven't read it. Yeah, or didn't listen to our last episode. Right. Uh, but they're holding hands, too. So that's kind of, you know, seems like maybe some things are happening that are a little bit more than just friends. All right, Kitty's all like, oh, I feel bad. And Doug's all like, I'm your friend, Kitty. And Kitty's all like, you mean that? And then now they're like, every time they speak, well, somebody grabs somebody else's hands and Kitty's got four hands and Doug's got five hands. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and back at the mansion, somebody is chopping wood like a maniac. And we find out that that person is Colossus, whose arm is in a sling. Because as you remember, and I know it's been a long time for me, but he got messed up by the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. It's true. And uh, he is still recuperating. Apparently, uh, he's fine except for one of his arms. And I don't know why that would be, because it wasn't his whole body that was affected. You know what's interesting is, like, didn't wasn't Rogue Stone at the end of the last issue? Yes. Well, because she absorbed... And I, 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 we already right. talked about this. I didn't like that. But we don't see her in this issue. Well, it's because she's, like, on her deathbed. She's still stone? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Oh, God, I hope, uh, well, I mean, Wolverine came along, gave her some of his uh, healing abilities, so she's slowly healing the stone out of her body. It would have been nice to see Rogue in this issue, just so we know what would happen. Ah, don't worry, we're going to see her soon enough. Well, That's true. In the yeah, pages but- of the X-Men, not necessarily in the Danger Room podcast episodes. Okay. Anyways, yeah, he's uh, uh, Peter's chopping down a tree, one-handedly. And he's not even in his Colossus form. Somebody off to the side says, Way to go, Petey! <laughs> eh? We haven't got one of those in a while. <laughs> and it is Logan sitting on a tree, drinking a beer, wearing his cowboy hat, and saying, Oh, you really chopped the blazes out of that tree, and one-handed too. Pretty impressive, big fella. Don't you have somewhere you'd, or something you'd rather do, Toveridge? Or somewhere you'd rather be? Nope. Pity. And then, for some reason, it's like uh, Colossus uh, meddles up. Yeah, which is weird. And they, so now it's Wolverine and Colossus uh, talking, and they're talking about Colossus's family, or he's, he's talking about what could be if he was in Russia. He and Kitty could be married right now, raising a family, because apparently that's okay in Russia. I guess maybe he meddles up because he's pulling this tree stump out of the ground with one hand and maybe he can only do that as colossus that's probably true uh wolverine he's, he, he's got a he's got a little bit of the jealousy going on he says douglas ramsey is everything i am not and can never be watching kitty with him listening to them brings home some brutal truths i've been spying on them <laughs> yes I'm not good at a lot of things, but I actually am pretty good at spying. She gave herself freely to the Morlocks to, or she gave herself freely to the Morlocks to save your life, bub. I figure that means she kind of likes you. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, so Wolverine's I, just saying, like, hey, you know, like if that's what you believe, well, then that's then you've lost. So you are yeah, you are what you think. Class is pretty down on himself. 
Um, says he's an ignorant peasant. He doesn't know how to write that well. <laughs> so Wolverine is uh, kind of stepping into his Uncle Logan role with his advice, trying to help out. Yeah, it's good. You know, that's Wolverine. That's the Wolverine we know and love. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the Bronx Botanical Gardens, it is super snowy and drifty out. But inside, it is warm and everything's growing and Storm's very happy to be here because she's filled with life. And we learned that she brought all of the plants in her attic here. Yes. When did she do that? I guess uh, oh. between the time that she got back from Japan and Kitty and Colossus were making out in the attic. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is part of her change, I guess, is she got rid of all the flowers and stuff. She, it's good to know that she didn't get rid of them, get rid of them. Like She didn't, like, just throw them away. Yeah, it's also good to know that Chris Claremont's got, like, a notebook that he's like, okay, flowers, got to deal with these. <laughs> issue 180. <laughs> well, this is this is interesting. This, this is the action segment of this issue. <laughs> well, coming up here. <clears throat> uh, but, yeah, she, she, this is also reminding her of her time in Africa. So, you know, just a good little... Little homecoming, and that storm has an interesting outfit on with some very racy uh, stockings. Yeah, fishnets. It looks like she's wearing a speedo. Basically, she's got uh, what are those things? The uh, garters on. This is the garters. Yeah, it looks like she's going for an interview to the Hellfire Club. Actually, it kind of does. <laughs> but the eighties punk. Hellfire Club. Oh, of course. And as she uh, she casts a little storm because some of her flower or some of the plants look like they need to be watered. Um, and that's when she hears a noise coming from the middle of the botanical gardens, which is really weird. Uh, but there are some rough yeah. neck punks in the botanical gardens roughing up senior <laughs> citizens. If you're uh, <laughs> if you're like a part of a gang. And, uh, you know, you want to steal somebody's money. I guess the Botanical Gardens is a good place to go. Well, A, if you're in this, the, what do they call themselves? They call themselves like the rebels, whatever. Uh, I don't think you even know what a botanical garden is or where one is. Well, they followed some old people here and now they <laughs> hit it up regularly. Hey, they're going to the stupid flower place. Let's go. We'll get them there. Your old man shouldn't have got uppity, lady. All we wanted was some bread. These are the Rusher Street Rebels. Oh, boy. Yeah. So Storm, in her skirt, outfit, fishnet, mohawk, steps out from the, the plants, and she says, uh, Leave them alone, or you will answer to me. Whoa, party time tonight, eh, bro? What does that mean? Like, like we're going to beat her up, and that's going to be fun? I guess. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and and uh, they're like... No babe tells the Rusher Street rebels what to do. And that's when Storm gets a glint of happiness in her eyes and an evil-looking little smile and says, Oh, really? I guess food such as these bare hands should suffice. More fun, too. She thinks to herself as she throws someone named Nico through the glass, which that's, that's kind of, isn't it snowing outside? Yeah, those she's, she's killing all these plants. <laughs> she is killing the plants. It's terrible. Uh, yeah, and so one of the guys is like, she must know judo or something. Big deal. Nobody, no gang, no cop, and especially no broad. Does that to a rebel and gets away with it? Cut her! So they go running at her with their knives, and she kicks him across the face with her stiletto boots. She punches a guy and punches another guy, and then 
the fourth guy's come in and he dives onto her and he just kind of she kind of dodges out of the way uses his momentum to have him hurl into some poison oak she thinks to herself i must pivot just so as wolverine taught me so she's taking lessons from wolverine oh yeah so having bested these uh ruffians she delivers the coup de grace and does a little lightning storm when she i guess she what is what happens exactly I don't know. Does she, does she blast them? No. To 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 complete the effect, Aurora enshrouds herself in Saint Elmo's fire, and then the muggers as well. That's scary. Yeah, I think it's more. She doesn't hurt them or anything. She just does. Yeah, it's this all whole, for effect. Yeah, this whole effect, and uh, and she's Except like for the guy that she tossed through the window. He probably hurts. <laughs> he probably does. I suggest, gentlemen, you renounce your evil ways. If you do not, I shall learn, and I shall learn of it. You uh, and be wait. I shall learn of it and be very angle, or angry. And so they run away. They do. Yeah. So she bends down to help the older folks, and uh, she's like, okay, you're, you're all right. Is there anything I can do to help? And, and they're, you know, muty hysteria. They're like, you've done enough, more than enough. Uh, leave us alone. Well, they say thank you. They're, they're, they're both grateful yet terrified. I saved their lives, yet they are more terrified of me than the mu- uh, thugs who attacked them. Well, I should be used to that. We don't want any more trouble. We'd best be going ourselves. That's when the professor says, Storm, return at once. Something urgent has come up. I'm attracted to you. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get a caption that says, and so later that evening. So like, did Storm really rush home or did she take her time or <laughs> why Why is it later? It, it couldn't have been that important if Storm, Storm rushed home and, and then later the professor convened everybody. Yeah, well, she rushed home and she's like, what? I got here as soon as I could. And, and the professor's like, hold on, I'm making pot pies. We do, everything has an order. We'll talk about this in an hour. <laughs> uh, and we have uh, Colossus, Wolverine, Storm, Professor... Kitty and Nightcrawler. No They're rogue. All, no rogue. You're right. All gathered together. And uh, Kitty's kind of debriefing everybody in a very adult-like fashion about what's going on with Doug Ramsey, uh, Emma Frost, the Massachusetts Academy, etc. And uh, I I would like to go with him. Everything should be okay. The Hellfire Club's kind of diminished, so it should be kind of a no-brainer. And then the professor drops a bomb. I wonder why the Academy is so interested in young Douglas. Could they know he's a mutant? Kitty says, what? His gift is languages, both human and computer. Not as demonstrative a a talent as mind reading or phasing, but legitimate nonetheless. Storm, what do you think? Eh, whatever. (laughs) With reservations, I approve. As do I. So, I made you say that. Yes. So Kitty's walking down the hallway, and she's like, Wow, mutant, who'd have thunk it? Wow, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's breezy. Oh, my gosh, you're being swept out the window. Aurora, cut it out! And here's where we get the reference to Professor Xavier being able to walk again. You're right. Now that Professor Xavier can walk again, see New Mutants number 14. Got it. I missed that, so there you go. Oh. Doug's a mutant. Who'd have thought? I wish I could tell him, but the professor says it's safer in the long run that he not know. His is a quiet power, more suited to the real world than the X-Men. Which is weird, because the professor was just talking about how his power uh, made it awkward to play sports. Wouldn't this make it awkward for Doug Ramsey to like uh, give him an unfair advantage in all things computer and language related? 
maybe maybe his is the type of power that he never has to know about. Well, that's a good point. So, like I said, she gets sucked out the window. She says to Storm to cut it out, and Storm... Aurora, cut it out! Storm is like, now we must have our come-to-Jesus conversation. <laughs> I'm different. Deal with it. I don't like it! Uh, they, yeah, they spend a lot of time up in the air talking about this, away from prying eyes. Storm says, "Are you? why are you making me choose between like who I am and who you want me to be? That's not really fair to myself. I don't really like this either. It's very scary to me. I could really use your support. Uh, she says that when she became the leader, she, she, like Scott Summers, realized she had a capacity to sacrifice all of her teammates, which is kind of scary. Well, for the greater good of the mission, she, she could order Colossus to be killed. Should the need arise, I can. I, I find I can match Wolverine for ruthlessness. Oh. You sound proud of that. I merely state a fact. Uh, I didn't understand must, uh, what was going on until that night in Tokyo when Yukio conspired to push me off the edge. And here I am. Something shouldn't change. They should be constant. It was bad enough my parents couldn't keep the promises they kept to each other, but I thought I could count on you. I hold grudges for a very long time. Well, everybody holds grudges about their parents getting divorced, I would I would think. But, I mean, you know, this kind of cuts to the heart of the matter. Kitty's not really upset by Aurora. She's upset by her parents. By I think. what right, Kitty? I am your friend. I pray I shall always remain so. But that's all. I am not, must not be your mother. I used to believe I could play that role to fill in a void in each of our lives. But that was a mistake. Don't you love me? With all of my heart. Uh, okay, then they hug. They're fine. But like, but you, you get to go off and, and have your life. So let me have mine. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, am I supposed to be beholden to you, but you don't have to be beholden to me? That's not fair. Come on. <laughs> if you love me, kitten, you must let me do my thing. I'm scared, Aurora. Is this going to happen to me? Am I going to get all 80s punk? <laughs> I can't bear seeing you destroy yourself, kitty. And they hug. They hug it out. Everything's fine. Will you bear bear with me, kitty, and stand by me in the days that come? Because I need the strength of somebody one of my old buddies. Can you do that? I'll try. Okay. So, now we get LaGuardia Airport the following week. And I just want to point out, first of all, Kitty's wearing the same outfit. Not only that, it is sunny and there is no snow on the ground. <laughs> well, the snow disappeared as soon as the uh, thugs ran away. <laughs> <laughs> and and you could say like, well, I mean, they, they plow LaGuardia and all that sort of stuff. So you wouldn't see any snow there. But when the airplane takes off, there's green treetops. Like, it's gone. The snow is gone. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. Uh, yeah. And you're right. Kitty is wearing the same outfit. So so is Doug, though. You know, jeans. Every, everybody is. I mean, <laughs> the, I, I feel like uh, John Romita Jr. wrote this as later that day, but... Chris Kellermont threw in a the following week. Right. So it's Kitty and Doug being dropped off at the airport. They hop on the plane. Colossus is very cold to Kitty. She tries to give him a kiss, and she he says, I miss you already. Give me a kiss for good luck. And he says, yet. <laughs> he doesn't say that. He says, no, uh, he doesn't. But he doesn't give her a kiss. He sticks out his leg and says, have a nice trip. See you next fall. 
<laughs> Take care, Katja. What did I do? Why is Peter acting so strangely? He's so uncomfortable when I'm around. Doesn't he care for Minnie anymore? Oh, hi, Doug. <laughs> okay, let's get on the plane. Are you crying? No, it's something in my eye. So they're up in the air. They're talking about the whole uh, being excited for the Massachusetts Academy. Uh, yeah. And that's when this... they get a voice. A voice that we never really we never really came up with a voice for this person. Well, she's British, right? So, oh, I was she? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. Well, she's she's regal. Yeah. Uh, tip top cheerio. I welcome <laughs> you aboard. I don't know. <laughs> it's Mary Poppins. <laughs> On behalf of the Massachusetts Academy, Douglas and Catherine, I welcome you aboard. Woohoo! Well, I welcome you to Munchkin Land. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm ever so I'm ever so glad you decided to accompany Douglas. I've taken the utmost care to ensure that your stay with me is quite unforgettable. Uh, and it's it. Uh, I think it's a hologram that we're looking at because it's oddly drawn. I think it's, she's just in the shadow. Well, okay, so it's Emma Frost, the White Queen. Professor Xavier, help is what Kitty says. But when we last saw Emma Frost. Uh, uh, it was in the it was an annual number seven, and she was unconscious. And they actually refer to that in this issue. It was okay. It was Mastermind that like did something to her, right? Yes. Okay. And I think we will learn a little bit about that in the pages of New Mutants, not in X Men. I, I believe you are correct. Uh, okay, yeah. So, anyways, she uh, uh, they leave the airport, uh, and uh, the professor redirects them off to Central Park. If this is a hologram, we never find it out. So I'm I'm just going to assume that it, it's really her. I'm not going to make... Well, based on how the book is written, yes, this must be Emma Frost. But I thought she spent a very long time, like, uh, in a coma, but able to use her mental powers to telepathically um, uh, project her. Yeah, do stuff. Well, but I, guess we'll, I guess we'll find out. Maybe that was spoilers, or maybe I'm totally wrong. But anyways, the X-Men are heading towards Central Park. Uh, they don't know why, but the professor's like... Um, the thing that's been scanning me is here, and now we're going to find out what it is. Tonight, suddenly, I've been able to pinpoint its source, or its source, as the uh, <laughs> as as there is an error in the issue. Oh, the no. sheep meadow, lords of the earth and air, says Nightcrawler. I assume, maybe. Well, no, Nightcrawler says, "Unglaublich." Who's doing, like, the pirouette? Uh, oh, that's Storm. That, that's Storm flying. Oh, okay. It looked very weird. Uh, Comrade Professor, I do not have my sling anymore. That is good. <laughs> How could anything so huge appear in the middle of New York without well, being noticed? It is a week later, and as we learned, all mutants have slight healing factors. That's true. Well, no, Adam, that was brought up once in the pages of the X-Men and never brought up again. <laughs> And I'm holding it to cannon. <laughs> and it is a giant electronic-looking wall with a gigantic door. What next, Charlie? Uh, I suppose, Wolverine, we see what's inside, eh? Before Kitty's cry can reach Xavier and company, the X-Men walk in and disappear. <laughs> <gasps> oh, my goodness. They've and so we get Professor walking, Storm flying, Wolverine... Colossus, Nightcrawler, Rogue, I'm assuming, is still a stone because she's not here. Nope. And uh, they disappear. Kitty's saga continues in New Mutants number 15 on sale in two weeks. Well, the X-Men's continues in Secret Wars. What's that? On sale soon and next month in Tokyo Story. What's the Secret Wars thing? 
What? Oh my a- god! I turned the page and it's it's the ultimate twelve issue limited series beginning this January. Holy crap! Don't miss it. I I'm not going to miss it, Adam. Are you going to miss it? No way! On the cover of this is like every hero. It's awesome. I can't wait to see this. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Yeah. And then and then you turn the page again. You got Masters of the Universe video game. You turn Whoa. the page again. You got Cubert. Do you have the Masters of the Universe video game? I don't. I really need to get my hands on it. Oh man. <laughs> oh my God, Adam. There there's so much content. You're telling me. No, I I I told you. I did tell no. you. You you told me. Yeah. Uh thanks for telling me. Past tense. I I told you. I wasn't telling you. Okay. Yeah. I get yeah, it. Okay. I think. Uh so what do you think? Should we read uh, Secret Wars? I guess we could. I don't know. Are the X-Men in it? The X-Men are in it. At least, uh, you know, four or five of them. Well, presumably Rogue's not in it. Cyclops no. probably isn't in it because no. he's, uh, he's off on his honeymoon. Kitty's not in it because she's heading off to Massachusetts. Right. Doug Ramsey's not in it. Well, he's not even an X-Man, so. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose we'll have to cover that. Twelve issues, though. Okay, she's got time for that. That's a lot of issues. I don't know how I'm going to be able to read all of that. <laughs> it's a mass hard. It's a massive amount of reading to do in a single week. It's true. Whew. We'll, we'll give it the old college try. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, anyways, that's a, 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 this issue is a great uh, read. Um, however, if it's like your first X Men issue, you probably are like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> Nothing really happened. <laughs> A bunch of people were really upset about stuff that I don't understand. It's so emotional. These two girls were like hugging it out about some mohawk she had. I don't, it doesn't make any sense. So the guy has a crush on this girl, but he's not going to do anything about it. What a lame-o. <laughs> this is really dumb guy with a beard and a cowboy hat who drinks beer and smokes cigarettes. I don't get it. I'm going to read some Avengers. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Yeah. Secret Wars. On sale in January. Not so secret anymore. No, everybody knows about it. We got a voicemail. Oh, that's right. Hey, Adam. Hey, Jeremy. This is Greg Fairholm. I'm giving you a call about the uh, Russian naming convention. It's Nikolovich and Niklovana surnames that uh, Ilyana and Titor are giving each other are actually declarations that Peter, son of Nikolai, and Ilyana, daughter of Nikolai. Why they're referring to each other as Peter, son of Nick, as opposed to something a little bit more affectionate between a brother and sister is a mystery. It's not their middle name. It's a designation. It's kind of a weird interaction between the two. Uh, hope this helps. Really, really, really enjoy listening to The Danger Room, the X-Men's Comics Commentary Podcast. And thanks again for making me get back into the hobby. My bank account is feeling mighty sad. Anyway, thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. Bye. Well, thanks for the voicemail, Greg. That was some really good, valuable information, and and we'll stop asking that question. (laughs) I wonder if Chris Claremont knew what he was writing. Oh, probably. He probably had at least like an inkling. It was probably slightly incorrect, you know, but... Ah. So he thought he was like on a track, but maybe he just kind of got the interpretation incorrect. Because as Greg says it, it's like a weird way for um, a brother and a sister to refer to one another. He probably had the gist of what it was, but really it was having not grown up in Russia 
probably was not terribly familiar with like how how uh like uh local russians would actually use sort of stuff sure the the nuance of language i got you sort of the sort of the same way that like you know japanese first names and last names are we, we know that they're different but we don't fully understand like what is used and how how some things are more intimate than other things and sure i don't know stuff like that i'm with you Oh, yeah. So thanks. And, you know, if you would like to contribute some information to this podcast, you please could, do. Yeah. You could do like Greg did, and you could call uh, 501 Get X Men and leave us a voice message. Uh, and you could talk to us about the official Marvel tryouts if you'd like uh, and your experience with it. Maybe, maybe it was the most awesome thing you ever got, or maybe it was like a total piece of junk. Uh, either way, we'd like to know. Oh, I can't be total junk. I refuse to believe it. If it's total junk, you can call and tell us that, and we'll we'll play your message or we'll read your message or whatever. But I'm going to deny it. I don't want to live in a world where the official Marvel tryouts book is a piece of garbage. Okay, exactly. <laughs> uh, you can also email us at dangerroomatredcapproductions.com. Visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash dangerroompodcast. Follow us at Danger Room Go. Catch us on Stitcher for your internet radio uh, stuff. Well, I kind of ran into steam there. Damn. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Go on to iTunes. You can subscribe to us there. You can uh, give us a review, five stars, whatever you want to do. Or you can visit us at uh, xmenpodcast.com. Like I just said, but uh, all of the details are there as well as the episodes and uh, all the back issues. So. You if go. you didn't catch any of that, then just go back to the previous episode where Jeremy gets it down a lot clearer. <laughs> there are episodes where I do it better than others. Adam, <laughs> did you do any reading this uh, week? Why, yes. I read uh, I read Defenders number 130, which if you recall where we left off with the Defenders, um, they were fighting the Secret Empire, and this issue begins with them. Um, Kind of mopping them up, they they stop a nuclear missile from destroying from from starting World War Three, and uh, and then they clean up uh, some some mutant bad guys and all that stuff, and that's when it starts getting good. They they go back home, and uh, as you may recall, Iceman and uh, Angel are still having secret crushes on Moon Dragon, and uh, Angel thinks to himself that the Defenders are a really good team. And by now, pretty much everybody must realize it. Nobody, nobody, nobody probably wants to get away. And that's when we get Iceman's thought bubbles. And he's like, I, I've still got my doubts about all of this. I, I'm sure the new Defenders will make it, but might not, maybe not, maybe not with me. I don't know. And that's when we get a caption saying, see our upcoming Iceman limited series. So there's another one coming. Oh, more four-parters. Another four-parter. Can't wait to follow that one apparently Iceman is going home next month for his dad's retirement party oh so he's not going to be in secret wars so he's gonna he's gonna think some things over i don't think any of the defenders are in secret wars oh man they really got relegated to like the b-string of the marvel universe it's true um so they go into the house and the house has been trashed by professor power who wants to Finally, just get rid of them. They've they've been a thorn in his side for too long, and he's been he, he finally just like needs to get over this 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 pill in his back and and just kill them all. I don't. He, he somehow he relate. He says that uh, that the 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 new defenders are the ones who have denied 
his son the vengeance he deserves. And uh, yeah, I can see um, why he'd think that he's he's going kind of mad. I guess at this point, mental almost. Yeah, he's losing it. Okay, he he does a classic um, Magneto and says, "I am power incarnate." Oh, nice. Iceman freezes him with an ice block, and guess what happens? He, uh, Professor Power bursts out. He does with a mighty shim! Nice. Uh, Moon Dragon realizes that he is in, I don't know if you recall this, but uh, the old Professor Power put himself in the body of the young professor, or the young, young his son, Matthew Power. You recall that? I recall that he had a son. I guess I don't recall that specifically, but anyways. All right, so... He was feeling all old and stuff, and so he put himself inside of his son. And Moon Dragon uh, is able to bring his son out, and kind of so now the two of them, the old man and the young son, are at odds. And he kind of it looks like he dies, but I don't know. It says Anthony Power, teacher, historian, presidential advisor, and leader of the secret empire, topples to the ground, a quaking, gibbering wreck, and he's smoldering. And uh, he, that's the end of Professor Power, I guess. He looks like he's dead. Wow. But I don't know. That's, Beast is like, wow, that, that was a bit much. That a little unexpected. Um, Warren makes up with Candy, but he's still thinking about Moondragon. Iceman's with that blonde girl who was hanging out at Angel in the Hulk episode that we did. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what her name was, and it doesn't say her here, but... Um, Bobby is thinking to himself, God, that woman is beautiful. And uh, about Moondragon. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that they are, the defenders have been granted an official government clearance. So they made it into the big leagues and they all cheer. Hurrah! Yeah, but they didn't make it into uh, Secret Wars. Well, you know, they made it into the big little leagues. <laughs> I also read Alpha Flight number nine, which was about Shaman. Um, he fights a scroll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds totally exciting. <laughs> The backup story, oh, he fights the Super Scroll, which is the one that has all the powers of the Fantastic Four. Okay. So, uh, the backup story is a uh, Aurora backup story where she first learns to get her powers, and uh, she has two personalities, and her second personality, which is kind of the young, spirited girl out on the town, uh, fights some thugs in an alleyway, and that's when Wolverine bumps into her and says, hey... Um, you should, uh, I got a buddy named Jimmy Hubson and he'd really be interested in meeting you. You might, you might work out on his team, Alpha something or other. I don't know. So, so are the backup stories like the origins of the, uh, Alpha Flidians? Exactly. Ah, got it. Okay. And, uh, Snicked in this is spelled S-N-I-C-K-T, which I guess is maybe the Canadian spelling of Snicked. Snicked, eh? <laughs> so... That that's all that's going on with Alpha Flight. Not too much. So that's all I got. Ah, nice. Well, everybody's brought up to speed. So uh, get ready because you might get all twelve Secret Wars in your ears. Or you might get like four issues. We don't know because Adam, it's a lot to read. It sure is. <laughs> Are you going to read it all? Yeah. Have you started? I have. Oh man. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next time. Uh, until then, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. I sing to be what I'm not. You see, I'm wearing my heart like a crown. Pretending that.
Still. Oh.